0: Welcome, and it's meeting time, and today we're going to continue our introduction of the first step of recovery. We admitted that we were powerless over our addiction and that our lives had become unmanageable. Now, let's be honest. Who really wants to admit defeat? No one does. Every natural instinct cries out against the idea of being powerless over our lives, and we're not unique, balking at this principle began at the beginning of mankind. The book of Genesis records the historical fall of mankind caused by Satan's cunningness and lies and man's disobedience. In Genesis chapter two, we learned that God provided a perfect environment for the first people, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. They had a loving relationship with God and with each other. And they were naked, which represented there was no shame, no sin, and they were oblivious to evil. And the Lord made all sorts of beautiful trees that produced delicious edible fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed two trees, the tree of life with fruit that would preserve Adam and Eve in this blissful state and the tree of knowledge of good and evil bearing forbidden fruit, that if eaten would lead to death, both spiritually and physically. And God instructed they could eat from every tree except from this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God warned them, if you eat of this forbidden fruit, you will surely die because of your disobedience. Did you ever wonder why, why God did this? Why didn't he create people who couldn't be disobedient? Here's what I've learned. The answer lies in the very nature of God. God is love and wants a loving relationship with you and me. He wants us to respond to him with love in return. But this is only possible when we have the capabilities to choose. So God gave us free will. He wants our obedience because we love him, not because we have no other choice. In essence, God didn't make robots. So God placed Adam and Eve in this garden to be obedient, loving servants to live happily ever after. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. What could possibly go wrong? Well, The potential for a catastrophic event would only happen if in their self-centered pride disobedience ate the forbidden fruit, and then they try to manipulate and control their own well-being. Well, we all know this loving, obedient, blissful state didn't last very long. In chapter three, Satan, the snake that he is, appeared on the scene, and the serpent convinced Eve With his lies and temptations, she wouldn't die if she ate this forbidden fruit. In fact, by doing so, she'd be like God with the wisdom of knowing good and evil. Well, both Adam and Eve succumbed to the serpent's lies, and they ate the proverbial apple that yielded threefold temptations, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The fact that she took of this fruit and ate it lie the explanation of all sins, sickness, addictions, sorrow, suffering, fears, blame game, guilt, shame, sinful nature, and death that have plagued the human race ever since. The moment they fell into the serpent's traps of this mind control their eyes were indeed open to the difference of good and evil. They immediately felt guilt and shame from their nakedness and disobedience. In essence, they lost their innocence. They became infected with the sinful nature that's inbred in every human being. And in their shame, they covered their naked bodies with fig leaves and they tried to run and hide from God. Talk about powerlessness and unmanageability. And God asked them, where are you? Bringing us three points. The blame game. Eve blamed the serpent. Adam blamed Eve. And even God, this woman you gave me, man is lost. And God came to seek and save the lost. Amen? And in his grace and mercy, the Lord provided provision for their nakedness by the slaying of an innocent animal to clothe the guilty couple, which is a prelude to the robe of righteousness provided for guilty sinners through the shed blood of the innocent Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, for all who come out of hiding and come to believe. And as with Adam and Eve... Our good God's instructions bring life. The evil Satan's lies bring death to all of us. My friends, eating of this forbidden fruit, Adam and Eve struck a match and set the world on fire with the first addiction known to mankind, sin. They ignited a war, a spiritual war between good and evil, and the battlefield in our mind this battle is real evil is real satan is real ephesians six twelve, the apostle warns us we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers mighty powers and evil spirits satan's main objective is to separate us from god and to kill us spiritually and physically. And he continues to entice you and me with forbidden fruits of alcohol, drugs, pornography, gambling, food, money, and so on and so on and so on. He promises pleasure, euphoria, happiness, success, power, prestige, an array of lies, lies, and more lies. He will say whatever it takes to destroy us. In John eight forty four, Jesus proclaims, Satan's a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning of time. There's no truth in him. He's a liar and the father of lies. Hear me loud and clear. I tell you this from my own experience. If we refuse to admit that we can't win this battle alone, if we continue to believe Satan's lies, if we continue partaking of forbidden fruit, and you know your forbidden fruit, Satan will drag you down the same path as he did with Adam and Eve. He will strip you naked of everything precious to you, God, your family, friends, health, careers, finances, and finally, you lose yourself. These forbidden fruits bleed us of all dignity, self-sufficiency, and the will to resist their demands. And recovery literature describes this dilemma as an addiction, a sinful disease that affects our mind, body, and soul. and an addict is a man or woman whose lives are controlled by forbidden fruits and Then we lie to ourselves, "We have alien thoughts. I can stop any time. I don't have a problem, you're the problem." Denial, justification, distrust, isolation, dereliction, guilt, shame, and in many cases, jails and death are all the results of this disease. And I have to tell you, these negative traits are coming attractions to our lives if we don't apply step one. We must confess, as the Apostle Paul did in Romans chapter 7, I know that nothing good dwells in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't because of my sinful nature. I'm a slave to sin. Paul's describing the battle between good and evil in our minds. He's admitting he can't win this battle alone. I couldn't win this battle alone. And you can't win this battle alone. So who can God could and would if he were sought. Paul continues. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord because you belong to him. The power of the living spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Paul's talking about the Holy Spirit. If we confess our sins and ask Christ to be our savior, he lives in us by way of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is beautiful. We receive the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. God will use the same power within us to defeat Satan's attacks. Feed us the nourishment we need with good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, to blossom and flourish in us each and every day as we recover and heal one day at a time. Here's a powerful analogy that I took to heart and it's changed my life. As long as we live in this broken world, our sinful nature will never be eradicated. My friends, this is not the Garden of Eden. We are, so to speak, two spiritual trees, the tree of the flesh, which is Satan's enemy lines, and the tree of a new birth, the home of the Holy Spirit implanted by our salvation. And once again, the spirit and flesh are in constant conflict until we are taken to heaven. And our part in this conflict is to yield to the Holy Spirit, to entrust our lives to him as he defeats Satan's onslaught. And the way the Holy Spirit defeats Satan is by you and me staying connected to Jesus. I love this in John fifteen five, Jesus teaches I am the vine, you are the branches, those who stay connected to me, and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. When we admit our powerlessness and unmanageability, when we cling on to Jesus, God will prune, weed and cultivate our lives to bring forth spiritual fruit that's promised in Galatians five. 22 love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-confidence with joy and peace we overcome the darkest days of our past with love kindness goodness and faithfulness we restore our relationship with those we've harmed and with patience and self-control we persevere through the difficult times we stand firm against the snakes temptations. Please hear me. This is not a quick fix. This principle is not a one and done. We didn't get sick in one day. We're not going to get better in one day. We're going to have struggles and we'll never recover on our own power. but God's more powerful than any enemy or evil that we'll ever face. In Ephesians six ten, Paul implores us, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Today, I speak to you with 29 years of recovery and healing, and it all started by applying this first step into my life. Today, Jesus Christ the Vine is calling you to be a fruit-bearing believer by surrendering your life to him. So let me ask you, When are you going to throw your demonic rotten apple away and bite into and ingest the fruits of the healing power of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Next week, we're going to introduce the second step of recovery that we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And I want you to reference Daniel chapter 4, verses 19 through 37. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.